1895, the state of Ohio had only two automobiles. And wouldn't you know it, they collided. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows what kind of collision we're going to have in the days ahead. If you dare vote for a decree that God finds abominable and murderous, you will answer to him. God's curse is upon you. How dare you? How dare you? defy him. Strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. When is the time for justice? The time is now. I'm tired of waiting for incremental solutions that never make any increments and never bring solutions. So when is the time for justice? It's now. I said to every sinner, God broke the law for love. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. If the court in a nation is the highest authority, then you've found a God. If the people are the highest authority, then you've found another God. If, if there's no transcendent law governing over this nation or any other nation, then you've found another God. It's never too early to learn that the government is a greedy piglet that suckles on a taxpayer's teat until they have sore, chapped nipples. Take the guns first, go through due process second. Please clap. Just as the church has an obligation to be Christian, just as the family has an obligation to be Christian, just so the school has an obligation to be Christian, and the state, and your calling, and the school, every area of life must recognize Christ as Lord and Savior. Welcome to Cross and Crown Radio, an unapologetically Christian Reconstructionist talk show for your edification and your enjoyment. Jesus is King. There is no neutrality, no exile, no surrender. My name is Jason. Here we are again in the studio with Jordan and John. How are you? Greetings. Awesome. How are you? I'm okay. It's been a long week, but it's, you know, it's a good week. Yeah. God glorifying week. It's good to be back with you guys. This is episode number 10. Number 10, only two more after this for season two. It's been a good season. What do you guys think? Awesome season. Lots of more to come to. I really enjoyed last week with uh, both and John covering all that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of great feedback from folks on that because it's such a that was such a sticky situation altogether. But nailing the issue of justice and mercy is so key. I was in the van with uh, my son and we were driving home from soccer practice and we had that episode on and it was getting a little heavy, you know, that part had some heavy parts, so I turned it off and he goes, Dad, that was actually interesting. (laughs) So he was listening. Finally. Yeah. That's awesome. Seven years old. Yeah. Well, hey, we must have a lot of seven-year-old listeners out there. <laughs> We're certainly, we know a lot We're of... We're a family cr- program, right? Yeah, family-friendly. We have a lot of Cross and Crown kids that do listen. Oh, that's for sure. We have a lot of little ones running around our church. It seems like our fellowship is full of them, and they love the radio show. They do. From what I hear, so that's exciting. So thank you all for tuning in with us for another episode. I uh, just want to remind you to point you in the direction of our Facebook page, 
You can check us out there, Cross and Crown Radio. Find us on our website, crosscrownchurch.com. Uh, we certainly are thankful to to many of you who uh, have written us reviews. Certainly, if you throw those on iTunes or even on Facebook, we'd love to read those um, here on air. Uh, but we want to also just take a minute to just thank you for... Um, I know some people who went and got some coffee from one of our sponsors, Telos Coffee Roasters. A few people were uh, quite happy with their coffee. They well, love that well, coffee. Well, it's, it's the good stuff, so. It's the good. Delicious. Yeah, you uh, you hear that commercial uh, at the break. It'll be there again. But, yeah, a reminder, just go there. Go to the website. Buy some coffee. Let them know that Crossing Crown Radio sent you. They will be quite delighted, I'm sure. So, Anyhow, later on, the bulk of the show, we want to tackle the issue of redeeming culture. Are we supposed to do such things? Should we be thinking in those terms? Um, So that'll be a little bit later, just kind of a teaser. What's your appetite for the moment? But there's been a, I don't know, you guys, the internet's a funny place. The news is a funny place. There has been a whole lot of activity this week. And, uh, you know... (laughs) We talked to maybe what a few episodes ago about Hong Kong, so if you missed that, go back and listen because that's an important foundational piece of information. Just knowing the history, why Hong Kong is in the shape it is, what's its relationship to China, just in a nutshell. History. History lesson. It was a former British colony. It basically was returned to Chinese rule in '97, so it's semi-autonomous. There's it's fuzzy because Hong Kong is part of china in terms of like it's it's one country but there's basically two systems one country two systems right so major point of tension and consternation and china is relentlessly attempting to regain and assert its dominance over hong kong which has many many freedoms that mainland china does not enjoy yeah and the big the big kerfuffle had a lot to do with the extradition bill extradition Extradition, yeah, extradition. So yeah, Hong Kong has five a list of five demands, and they want to retain the freedoms that they have enjoyed since uh, under sort of the the uh, remnant of the the British common law that they have been living under over the past you know hundred years. So um, yeah, that's a it's a very much a combustible it's a combustible situation, and it's a far it has far reaching effects. It it is embroiling. All these different companies and nations around the world, in in its web. So, and it is a huge financial district when we think of the the Asian markets. All those things kind of go through there. Right. So, a major major financial incentive for China to be involved in that for trade, for commerce, all these sorts of things. So, well, anyhow, the the big thing that came in the news this week is we had some American companies who decided that they were going to kowtow to the Chinese, which, of course, is a communist nation. Right. So (laughs) basically, we had Apple, we had Activision, um, Blizzard, and then the NBA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amongst others, but those are probably the biggest ones. Right. Well, let's let's talk about the NBA. What? Yeah. So <laughs> what do we have going on there? This is on C this is from CNBC today. The NBA drama began after Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey sent a tweet on Sunday in support of the pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. So he's supporting 
the Hong Kongers. Right. He, um, it says the post was quickly deleted, but the damage had been done. The NBA then put out a statement which said it recognized that Maury's views had, quote, offended so many of our friends and fans in China, which is regrettable, end quote. But a separate statement put out on put out in Chinese appeared to take a much stronger line against Maury. Quote, we are extremely disappointed by the inappropriate remarks made by Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey, who has undoubtedly seriously hurt the feelings of our Chinese fans, the Chinese statement said, according to a CNBC translation. An NBA spokesperson later said, quote, there should be no discrepancy between the statements. Quote, we have vi- seen various interpretations of the, of the translation of the Mandarin version, but our statement in English is essentially the same. But this was enough to spark outrage among amongst U.S. lawmakers who accuse the league of putting money above standings for standing for human rights. And it just goes on. So basically, uh, the league, the NBA is known for its very strong encouragement of its players and anybody associated with it to feel free to speak on all kinds of issues. Now, typically, this is... LGBT type issues that and, and, and also against like police brutality right and also see, good like, issues LeBron James right. and so many others right. wearing like a, I can't breathe t-shirts things like that and coach Steve yeah. Kerr the Golden State Warriors uh, a while back really spoke out on Donald Trump yeah Popovich too yeah yeah so no so you're right there there is actually and we should recognize this positive aspects of the it's a great thing the NBA wants its players to speak out on those things yeah so we we, we see and this is how you know, freedom of speech works, right? right. You see some uh, elements in the NBA supporting causes that we would be adamantly opposed to, and we see other elements in the NBA supporting causes that we would support. Yes, exactly. And so the problem is this consistency or lack thereof in this situation. And there was uh, another example today where James Harden and Russell Westbrook are sitting there at a press conference doing their regular uh, media uh, question Q and A, and one of the uh, reporters there asked a question about the fallout from this and what their thoughts on on it were. And an NBA uh, attendant who was there basically shut the question down, mm-hmm. and they actually later apologized. And the NBA sort of walked it back. So, right. And there was some other stuff happening too with another company, John. I know you you were looking into this a bit. Um, Activision, yeah, Blizzard. Yeah. Uh, Activision Blizzard. There was a. Hearthstone player. Uh, Hearthstone is like a online card competitive video game thing. Never played it myself, but I am familiar with Blizzard. And uh, apparently what happened is that he was streaming Hearthstone and he was wearing a gas mask and goggles, very similar to the protesters in Hong Kong. Hmm. And at the end of his stream, uh, he said, liberate Hong Kong revolution of our time. Ah. And, And what happened was he immediately gets banned for an entire year kicked out of the Hearthstone championship. All of his winnings also get stripped from him. They took all his mm. they took his winnings. They took his winnings as well. And I don't know how much that was. Uh, I do know that the uh, online competitive gaming world could potentially be a lot of money. Uh, I'm not sure about Hearthstone specifically, but it could be a lot of money. And this is just another example Another example of China flexing its economic muscles uh, to the detriment of freedom of speech and uh, uh, freedom of expression, so on and so forth. Yeah, it, there is a lot of money 
uh, my sons and I were following the Fortnite championship stuff, and they gave away millions of dollars. So right. it is a competitive gaming is becoming a huge, huge industry. Right. Uh, speaking of Fortnite, uh, Epic, who's the the maker of Fortnite, they came out and said. Well, we would let any of our streamers, any of our competitive players say whatever they wanted. We're in favor of freedom, which is interesting hmm. because uh, Fortnite has a massive amount, or not Fortnite specifically, but Epic, Epic Games. They have a massive investor in Tucent, and Tucent is a um, Chinese owned, basically, like investment firm. They own tons of stuff. Hmm. So they have a lot of interest in China, but. Epic came out and said, we don't care. We, you say whatever you want. We're going to support your freedom of speech. We're going to support you standing up for freedom. While Activision, which, yes, also has some investments in China, but not nearly as much, uh, seems to be pretty much cowards on this. Yeah, that's a, the whole... The whole issue of freedom of speech is is obviously enshrined in the U.S. Constitution, so we value that. We value the, the freedom to express ourselves and, and say what we feel like we should say. Now, obviously, as Christians, we need to to bridle the tongue, James tells us. So there's a, a layer to that. Right. Um, but it's obviously uniquely tied to this issue of freedom as it pertains to Hong Kong, who is is westernized in the sense that it's a very freedom, um, freedom minded place. And they also have iPhones made by Apple. Yeah. And so Apple was also caught up in the crosshairs of this. Oh, goodness. And uh, it, it says here at CMC, the tech giant was criticized for mapping a uh, for a mapping app in its app store that allowed Hong Kong protesters to track the movement of police. The developers of the app, called HKMap.Live, had, quote, ill intentions, the state newspaper People's Daily said in an editorial and accused Apple of helping the, quote, rioters. Hmm. Uh, business is business and politics is politics. Nobody wants to drag Apple into the into the lingering unrest in Hong Kong, the People's Daily said. So this is all just such a propagandized pretext for, in, you know, enforcing their will on Hong Kong. You know, the people of Hong yeah. Kong are using this app to to do what they're allowed to do, which is to protest the government. They have even in their, you know, Hong Kong uh, law, they have the right to protest, right? Right, exactly. And <laughs> Apple also uh, moved to remove the Taiwan flag emoji even, which is ridiculous, which is another issue. I'm glad you bring China, that up. China forever has you know, claimed Taiwan. but When you're removing emojis, you know that you are under the finger and just totally pandering, you know, when, you're, when you get to that point. It's ridiculous. And look, we, we, it all has, it comes down to fear. It comes down to fear. It comes mm -hmm. down to money. Uh, it comes down to what are the priorities? And I know yeah. everybody having to, everybody's having to answer to their investors, answer to their shareholders. But come on, these yeah. companies are United States based. They're they they have the freedom of speech. There's democracy here. Things are far from perfect by all means, but they are being controlled and manipulated yeah. by an authoritarian government, yeah. a communist authoritarian government, and it's just cowardly. And, and might we add a communist authoritarian government with a horrific track record of... Uh, of Human rights violations, things like the the great leap, great leap forward. If anybody knows that, check it out. Read up, read up on it. I think we need to teach our children about these things, and a lot of people don't even know what it is. 
uh, because when we forget history, we, we don't learn from it. And they had all these great intentions. They were bringing Marxist-Leninist uh, thought and, um, and, and under the guise of Maoism, implementing that in Chinese society slightly differently than it was implemented in uh, the Soviet Union. They were mo more focused on the peasantry because there are so many farmers who actually, in a sense, owned land and they were just sustenance farmers. But mm -hmm. they tried to implement Marxist-Leninist um, uh, ideals through focusing on the peasantry. So they did this thing called the Great Leap Forward, where they tried to completely centralize and take over all of the agrarian activity. And hmm, I wonder what happened when the government tries to completely centralize it. They were doing it for the purposes of getting more crops and making it more efficient. Well, the, the end result is that millions, tens of millions of Chinese starved to death. And this is Mao, for those who don't yes. know. This is, I mean, millions Tens of millions. Not not a leap yes. forward. A no. terrible leap off the cliff. Yes. Right. This is a, a uh, state who has enforced a brutal one-child policy, which was only just overturned a couple of years ago. And now it's, a, it's not like it's gone. It's a two-child policy now mm. where mm. there's forced sterilization. Uh, if you were caught being pregnant when you weren't certified to, because you have to get certified to, um, then you would have a forced abortion beyond all the other abortions they do. So, um, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, then we get to the extraditions, you know, the, the, the uh, kidnapping of journalists and, um, you know, people disappearing for, you know, saying anything. Like, there's no freedom of speech. You can't disagree with the Communist Party. You can't say things against the Communist Party or against Maoism. Right. Um, it's, it's, a, it's There's also cult of personality. There's just incredible brainwashing that's going on. So if you're mm -hmm. a Hong Konger, can you not understand why they would not want to be sub, uh, absumed, subsumed by the uh, the Chinese communist state? Absolutely. And, and real small, quick, um, uh, quick correction. I think I said two cent earlier. I meant 10 cent. Uh, but anyway, I, I completely agree. And there's even reports of harvesting of human organs like yep. people disappearing political pr prisoners and these aren't reports coming from some sort of crazy like yeah. tabloid either yeah it's like these this are legitimate on. reports it's just horrifying mm -hmm. and of all these i mean my goodness like i don't know how many products i'm even currently wearing that's made in china mm -hmm. so i'm not one to necessarily <laughs> call for some sort of big boycott but it, it is fascinating though like how much of a ruckus will make for starbucks because they give to plant parenthood but all the support we give to china yeah. the, the the wicked communists destroying lives i mean it's it's a it's terrible and the fact that people are like eager to embrace socialism and you know this kind of the kind of the the, the generation it seems to be coming about i mean I, I talk to students all the time on, on college campuses and they just love it they love the idea of socialism and uh, and you ask them hey do you know about the great leap forward what's the great leap forward yeah <laughs> what happened there <laughs> go look that up. right because it's not just that it's like it's just china it's not just china it's right. the communism in mm -hmm. china mm -hmm. it is the atheistic pagan communism that's yeah. in China. Not just that they're Chinese or some well, other same nation. Happened to the Soviet Union. Right, yeah. exactly. It is an ideology that has affected their culture to yeah. a degree that they are godless. Yeah. That they are uh, absolutely opposed 
to even having like your own opinions. And this is not every Chinese person, of course, but Mm -hmm. there is a culture of subservience. There is a culture of obedience. There's a culture that values going along with the crowd to a radically, radically unhealthy degree. Yeah. You Google the killing of the kulaks in terms of the Soviet Union. Um, There's also tens of millions that died from starvation under Stalin's policies there. So John's right. It is about this ideology, this godless ideology that seeks to replace God with the state. Yeah. And Apple and Blizzard and the NBA, uh, of course, the NBA kind of sort of rolled it back a little bit. And we'll see what Activision does and we'll see what Apple does. Uh, Typically what happens is they they eventually release some sort of, of... of a report and it's just like word salad right Mm -hmm. so they try to please everybody and they end up pleasing nobody sort of situation and trying to explain it away and say well we're just going by policies and so on and so forth i think blizzard even has a policy that says you can't say anything that brings like disrepute to the company (laughs) well it's like i think the company's doing a pretty good job of bringing disrepute upon themselves yeah and it's like it reminds me in the um in the nba game where they had uh a Chinese team come to Philadelphia and play the 76ers, I believe. Yeah, right. It was. Um, they had two protesters, American protesters, in the stands, um, and they were holding signs that said Free HK, Free Hong Kong. And this isn't in China. In Philadelphia, they removed the the sign holders from the game. What? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Now, you know, it's their private company. I guess they have the right to do that. But again, with the consistency, um, Take, take any number out of a salad of other uh, causes that somebody could have brought with a sign there too. Are they going to remove them? No. Oh, right. And of course, like <laughs> to just get in front of this situation, like kind of the in before thing, we understand it as a private company, right? right? Yes. Right. <laughs> they have the right to do it, but that yeah. doesn't make it right to yeah. do it. Correct. And I think that absolutely has to be asserted in all of these different matters that come across you know people say facebook is censoring us and then mm. all the libertarians come running and say well facebook can do what they want yeah we're not saying they yeah. can't we're saying they're wrong yeah so can blizzard so can the nba but right. guess what we can point out their inconsistency they have a legal right to be spineless unethical cowards yeah yeah i think i remember years ago that happening with the duck dynasty episodes and it wasn't on amc or something and they just after many years said you know we're done it was a history of, or history channel i can't remember which channel but they basically said no more of this you know phil robertson's position on homosexuality and they just you know that is like an idol we just can't touch and but they are a company with a contract and they're allowed to do what they want with it and Mm -hmm. that's okay just like chick-fil-a it's legal it's legal yeah whether or not it's good or not that's the issue all right good discussion guys there's a lot to uh cover with with this in the future, I think we're going to come back to the Hong Kong issue frequently because that doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Yeah, nor should it. Nor should it. I, I hope we can't let China just let us forget about this. Yeah, yeah. and and pray for the church over there who's in the yes. middle of this. They definitely need our prayers. God can bring good out of this. He's a master of doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. Good deal. All right, we will be right back in just a minute.
presenting Telos Coffee Roasters, the official coffee of Cross and Crown Radio. Telos exclusively chooses specialty-grade coffee to derive the highest flavor potential from beans sourced all over the world, culminating in deliciously roasted coffee for your enjoyment. Visit our website at www.telloscoffeeroasters.com to peruse an array of delightful blends or even purchase a subscription. Telos Coffee, where it's our purpose to deliver coffee you'll enjoy. Come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and the peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between many peoples and render decisions for mighty distant nations. Then they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they train for war. Micah 4, 1 through 3. Amen. Praise God. Amen to that. Welcome back to Crossing Crown Radio. We want to touch on just for a brief moment before we get into the bulk of our discussion on redeeming culture, just to touch on some of the recent stuff happening with Syria and our involvement in the Middle East, especially when you read a passage like Micah 4 and we think about the post-millennial vision for peace on earth and righteousness and so on and so forth. Um, Man, the Middle East is a mess, which it's been that way for a long, long time. But Donald Trump, our president, tweeted this out on October 7th. And I just want to read these series of tweets and just to kind of give you some perspective, because it is interesting that he would say these things. He said, the United States was supposed to be in Syria for 30 days. That was many years ago. We stayed and got deeper and deeper into battle with no aim in sight. When I arrived in Washington, ISIS was running rampant in the area. We quickly defeated 100% of the ISIS caliphate including capturing thousands of ISIS fighters, mostly from Europe. But Europe did not want them back. They said, you keep them USA. I said, no, we did you a great favor, and now you want us to hold them in U.S. prisons at tremendous cost. They are yours for trials. They again said, no, thinking as usual that the U.S. is always the sucker on NATO, on trade, on everything. The Kurds fought with us but were paid massive amounts of money and equipment to do so. They have been fighting Turkey for decades. I held off this fight for almost three years, but it is time for us to get out of these ridiculous endless wars, many of them tribal, and bring our soldiers home. We will fight where it is to our benefit, and only fight to win. Turkey, Europe, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Russia, and the Kurds will now have to figure the situation out and what they want to do with the captured ISIS fighters in their neighborhood. 
They all hate ISIS, have been enemies for years. We are 7,000 miles away and will crush ISIS again if they come anywhere near us. Well, that's interesting, I would say, wouldn't you? Where do you begin? A few years late. Well, yeah. I mean, I agree with the sentiment of, like, these... Ron Paul's been saying this for decades. These ridiculous wars blow back, you know, all these kind of meddling world policing on the world stage and just constant, like... You know, deposing one leader and then we put somebody else in. Just cavalier moves where we don't really know what the fallout will be. And we just kind of go in there and, and, and take out this leader and, and prop up this guy and, and, and wipe out and bomb this area over here. And we have no clue what that will do to it's such a complicated, complex. I mean, when you, when you said it's a mess. Yeah, these these spats have been going on in the Middle East for thousands of years. I mean, yeah. it's ancient over there. Um, and even more more recently with uh, the Sykes-Picot in the earlier part of the 20th century, um, where you had it, all that area partitioned and, um, and it wasn't along necessarily ethnic lines. Sometimes it was. Sometimes it was where you had multiple ethnic groups and different different groups that thought they might be a state and that they might get a state and they didn't end up getting a state uh, from the British and, and, and other, you know, uh, French and, France, and other right, influences. Yeah. And uh, the Kurds are one of those that sort of just um, th- when the music stopped, they were still they didn't, ha- they didn't get a chair. Mm, and yeah. so artificially uh, yeah. cutting up the region because of imperialism. Right. Well, you reference the early 20th century. So f- for those who you keeping score at home, basically this is the Ottoman Ep- Empire, right? After World War One, right. broken up. How do we sort this mess out? Exactly. The Ottoman, Ottoman Empire came to an end and the colonial powers uh, that were not really wanting to be colonialists anymore, um, but did want some kind of influence and control over these Arab nations, uh, decided through a a treaty called Sykes-Picot, and you could look it up, um, to partition this area according to, you know, whatever rationale it was. And it it the the unrest and the fighting and the wars that have gone on there ever since and obviously there's about 10 other angles to it as well yeah right um, just have have been ongoing and it's like if for the US to go in there and think that they're going to take out this nation or take out this leader or prop up this guy or whatever uh, it's sort of like whack-a-mole. Like you might do one thing another one pops up over here and me- meanwhile we're spending untold blood sweat and treasure over there um and for what? What are we actually getting? Are we even making it better? So from a philosophical standpoint, I agree with much of the of what Donald Trump was saying in those tweets. I don't know if he's actually, um, first of all, sincere about it. Uh, maybe it's for political expediency. I don't really trust him. Um, but in terms of what he actually said, I agree with a lot of the principles of it. Yeah. Mm. Well, you you read those tweets and you think, man, this guy, this guy, you know, what if he was president? <laughs> but but he is yeah. so it's like why doesn't he just do that right instead of tweeting about that right years ago yeah it was donald trump who authorized the first actual direct military interventionism in syria in the first place yeah and the the problem is this goes back to even george bush the first going in with the, the the situation with kuwait saddam hussein getting involved in the middle east weapons of mass destruction you know obama uh, continued uh, much of it yeah exactly right. this, this, this isn't i mean this is both sides of the aisle 
circumventing the Constitution, declaring mm-hmm. war. Well, they're not actually declaring war. They should, yeah. <laughs> but kind of unilateral decision for the you know the, the the big head honcho in the White House going in and meddling. And the problem is, you know, there are biblical principles. We don't have time to get into them, but when you talk about war and defensive wars and Deuteronomy twenty, yeah, and just like our involvement, and we just keep sticking our nose in somewhere where we shouldn't. One part of the tweet that I disagree with, Donald Trump talks about only when we benefit, when it's our interest, and that's not. Right. No, it's it's according to de- being defending. You're allowed to defend your nation. You're not allowed to just go and be the world police and yeah, even and, for economic interests. Yeah. Like you don't go invade somebody because of well, of course the classic example, oil. They have take oil. The oil. Take the oil. Yeah. Yeah, and there's this, you know, it, I preached on this last year with with, with war and just like the biblical parameters and and just understanding that you know, if, if, a, if a state needs our defense, then then they should become a part of the United States and we will defend them. And there's that this mm-hmm. idea of, you know, almost covenantal, you yes. know, you know, unity and um, protectionism, because, you know, there are principles of loving your neighbor that apply interpersonally. But, you know, just because you have an interest in something economically or whatever doesn't mean, you know, you can go and bomb another nation right. and say, well, we're just loving our neighbor. You know, it's a complex situation, but a things are getting really bad because right. now Turkey is going in and they're launching missiles and they are they're going after. So the Kurds and, the, you know, there's just fighting again. Right. Not that it was always peaceful, but with the U.S. presence there, there yeah. was some stability. And and now you can track that. Um, I read an article earlier from the Associated Press. There's just a lot of chaos ensuing now. Now we have Christians, our brothers and sisters, who are in the middle of this. Mm. There's um, a lot of Kurdish Christians, yeah. Christians, and and uh, refugees. Now again, there's going to be another crisis for that because people are trying to get out because of the war zone, and it, it's just a mess. And you know, there's so much that could be said. It's just a, a we need to pray for them, pray for the strength for the Christians there, and mm-hmm. and pray that like Turkey will chill and that. <laughs> <laughs> this this infighting and you know that the gospel would advance so that they would stop fighting yeah Cause we, we can play this game of who's worse all day and I think you would end up thinking that ISIL or ISIS yeah. is the worst right, right. <laughs> but even outside of them it's like well Assad was a terrible guy Bashar Assad did yeah. a lot of bad things killed a lot of innocent people um, however also had stability in the area, stability in the nation. Uh, it uh, it was developing and it was relatively peaceful uh, until the Arab Spring come, comes along and there's protests and he killed some protesters and so on and so forth and it just escalated. Even then, though, taking out Assad leaves room for ISIS. So it, it's it's a game of like none of these people are good people. I think the only good people in the region are the absolute powerless, stateless Christian Kurds and uh, Christian Syrians who, frankly, have no power at all. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some small militia power, and that's about it. And it's just we can't play this game of like we're defending the good guys and then having a propaganda campaign against the other team. It never works out that way. It's almost mm-hmm. always bad guys versus bad guys. 
And just as a general principle, what we need to do in order to fight evil is, first of all, the gospel. need to spread the gospel. Actual bottom-up change has to happen. It can't just be top-down. Um, in terms of like small things you can do, I mean, countries shouldn't trade and, and do business with countries that are evil. And when I say countries, I don't mean states. I mean business owners, Apple and other countries. They shouldn't be doing business with China if they're going to be doing this. Um, that that would be a, a a way of privately not doing business with those kinds of regimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Or and, doing business with countries like Turkey. But mm-hmm. you know what they do? They, Saudi Arabia. They cop out and think, oh, that's the state's job to either allow sanctions or not allow economic sanctions. And if they if there's no economic sanctions, then you know I guess we can do business with us. We can do business with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, yeah. it has to be a. Um, a, a, it can't just be the state who's deciding who our friends are and who our enemies are. The people, the actual people of a nation have to actually act that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And that's why it has to be a covenantal reality with the people. And that yeah. just isn't going to just be some sort of bureaucratic decision. Right. But we get ourselves in a bit of a conundrum because uh, just generally speaking, I'm quite the military non-interventionist. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm essentially like... <laughs> uh, people leave us alone. If you don't leave us alone, then we'll defend ourselves. Right. And and uh, I don't believe in these entangling alliances. I don't believe in being the policeman of the world. I don't right. believe in having hundreds of military bases across the world. Military any industrial of these complex. Things, right. Yeah. Any of these things. These empire building. This mm-hmm. modern empire building. Even though our flag might not be over these nations in an official capacity, it's just modern empire building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whenever we go into an area such as Syria and we cause a lot of problems, but then our presence there does create at least a, a figment of stability. But then when we leave, create a power void. And then you have something like the Turks coming in and possibly committing a genocide on the Kurds. It's another problem. And so some people would say, well, we need to stay then. We need to stay to protect the Kurds and to prevent a genocide from happening. And that's a tempting position. And honestly, I'm not really sure. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I need to look into this more. You know, maybe this is a situation where we need to go. We need to leave like later, you know, maybe slower after we resolve some issues. I'm not sure. Generally, I'm just like, a you know, you march them in, march them out kind of guy. But I think the problem is is we're naive. Mm-hmm. We assume that when politicians go on the air and say uh, they go on the television or the radio and say we're going to do this for X, Y, and Z, we actually believe them, mm-hmm. even if they they say we're going in because of uh, human rights violations. They're not right. You know, they go and they say because of WMDs. They're not. And we have this idea that our, our goals are righteous and benevolent and right. we, we are actually helping them. So even if we do end up staying in Syria, uh, which I don't think that's what's going to happen right now, at least not fully, um, it's not for the right reasons anyway. Yeah. It doesn't work out in the long term. And especially when we have a history of a CIA involvement where they just lie and they make up stuff and you don't really know what's true. And when you're looking at a situation, a very complex situation over the Middle East, and there's, I'm sure, many conversations happening in back rooms with various representatives of various nations and states and and all sorts of reasons, not just maybe the ones that are presented to us. We don't really know. You and I sitting here in the Crossing Crown Radio Bunker, we don't we might know a few things, but there's a lot that we just don't know about the situation. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of hard to say what, oh, they should do this or they should do that, like you know, it's, it's hard to know. Yeah. Right. It's difficult. I mean, I, I don't think the, 
kind of like what I was just saying, there's really rarely a clear good guy, if you will. And that's, that includes us. That's one of the reasons not that to get involved us, in this stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> it, we, we just can't get involved. It doesn't work out. You know, even if we we have the most righteous sounding reasons, it never works out. Yeah. What do we accomplish? Right. I highly recommend um, Ron Paul's A Foreign Policy, a piece. It's a book I read um, years ago and needs to be updated. And all of this was was a compilation of Ron Paul's speeches um, uh, usually made to Congress. All it is is his anti-war speeches, and it goes through years and years and years, decades and decades. And at one point in the book, it almost got boring. But the reason why it got boring, though, was because it was the same situation over and over again. And he Mm -hmm. was right again and again and again, almost to the point that it was boring to read them back to back, which was a startling realization for me. It was like, wow, I'm almost getting bored because we make the same mistakes over and over again. And every single time. Every single time, people have really good-sounding reasons for yeah. the military interventionism. Every single time. And not once has it actually worked out for the good of those people. Yeah. And, and can I just add one more yeah. thing? The, the human toll. I mean, when you talk about soldiers that go over there and fight and give their lives and give their limbs and their blood and see their friends die. And all kinds of money and, and treasure being spent on these excursions uh and and you know maybe they fought hard to take a city and they helped a city and and they accomplished some good but when you zoom back out over a 50-year period and you look at the the effect of the united states foreign policy um and 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 has it been a stabilizing factor or has it could the argument be equally made that it's been a, a disrupting factor a factor that that contributes to the destabilization of the region it's 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 definitely not clear at the very least oh yeah there's there's over a million civilian deaths since the invasion of afghanistan by u.s forces yeah i mean it's absurd yeah yeah so it's it's a i know Mm. it's a difficult and a complex topic but there are some biblical principles that we can build and and do not get yourself entangled in foreign wars that are not about defending your nation Mm -hmm. i mean stop looking for fights that's, I mean, we, we usually call them bullies <laughs> for that reason. So, I mean, you know, by way of segue, there is a nation building that we do love. <laughs> the church is a nation, a holy nation. And so kind of in light of this discussion and, and moving in, we had a question come in, a friend of ours who had asked, asked basically, you know, besides the Great Commission, are there any other explicit passages that talk about building or reconstructing godly societies? Because there is this nation building that's aggressive and war torn and you know th- those things, but but is that is there an admirable goal for Christians living in a society with, where they want to change things, they want to redeem the culture? Um, that is a question that you will get a lot of different answers on, especially in in, in America, Christian America. Evangelicalism, by and large, rejects that idea that that we have anything that we can offer politics or the war situation. Um, and so, yeah, our friend uh, messaged us, uh, messaged me rather, and just asked this question, just kind of, we've been talking back and forth. And I think there's a lot, a lot to cover that we can't do it all in one night, of course. But what do you guys think? Are there any explicit passages that talk about building or reconstructing godly societies? You mean a passage that literally says that? <laughs> right. There's no, you know, right, no. there wasn't like at the end of Mark, you know, it's debated 
Like, yeah. you know, was it part of the original or yada yada? Right, you know, right, right. We had the lost passage. No, Jesus said, reconstruct society according yeah, to God's exactly. law. <laughs> that was in there. This is where you would get into the good and necessary consequence ideas. Well, I, I think there are, yeah, yeah obviously not uh, explicitly that language there, but I think there are passages that essentially say that and not just the Great Commission, commission passages. And then, um, and then you have to not just look at, uh, you know, the the Great Commission. You have to go back to Genesis. You have to go back to the beginning. And you, it's not Old Testament, New Testament, or or um, or fall and then and then salvation. It's creation, fall, uh, redemption, and new creation. And so, if you look at that as a timeline, then you can go back and say, what was the original plan? What was the original? Uh, setup supposed to be, and yeah. what did Christ come to do? Did he come to restore us back to what we were originally created to be? And so I think that's just from a philosophical standpoint and a sort of a hermeneutical standpoint, that's where you right. have to begin. I think there might be almost an assumption in the question about the centrality of the civil magistrate. Mm-hmm. Whenever we talk about transforming society and building the kingdom of God, there's almost this assumption that this is primarily talking about civil magistrate. It's primarily talking about uh, the civil government and the Congress and the Senate and the judges and the courts and the police and so on and right. so forth. Who gets to kill somebody. Right, right, exactly. And there's certainly a role for the civil magistrate. We, mm. we do believe that that is a role, a legitimate role of the civil government. Uh, we think it's going to look very different. We think it's going to be very limited. But the kingdom of God, it is a a it is a government in the sense that we need to be governing ourselves with discipline, and we need to be governing our families with righteousness and our churches. But the kingdom of God is not just primarily the civil government. So there's almost a right. sense of like an assumption of the centrality of the civil government, even in the question, uh, where in reality the New Testament, all of Scripture, speaks all the time about renewing our minds about living faithfully, about serving your family, about building up the bride of Christ, all of these have to do with building the kingdom of God. Yeah, and it's a compound growth principle from Jordan, you referenced you know, Genesis and the dominion mandate uh, and this idea of being fruitful and multiplying. And I think that's what Jesus is, is sort of repackaging, if you will, with the Great Commission. And it is, I think, very explicit there with regard to teaching people obedience Absolutely. to God's law. I mean, that that's... You can't really read it any other way, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Even maybe look at Romans 13 about what is the purpose of the civil magistrate. Right. Well, there's you can't really answer that question without looking to the law of God. And, and you know, if Henry Van Til has taught us anything, it's, you know, culture is religion externalized. So for us, we see culture not in terms of the sacred secular. That is where I think a lot of Christians get tripped up, other from dispensational presuppositions or two kingdom presuppositions. But uh, we don't we don't see that sacred secular thing happening. We see culture as being the manifestation of religious presuppositions. So, a lot of times, actually, recently taught on this in Zambia, we a lot of times we think of culture as you know just your language or your social customs or you know money and language and all these all these different ideas, and those are important. But what is the religious presuppositions that are happening in society? Because if, if we are discipling people, and these are godly men and women who are then in turn doing the same thing with others, obviously by a necessary consequence, culture is changed, right? Right, Because the religious presuppositions are changed. So it's kind of downstream from that. And so 
so yeah, Van, Henry Van Til's principle there, I think, is remarkable because it, it actually gives us stability and anchors us in something uh, that that I think does affect every area of life because mm-hmm. culture does affect every area of life. And if there's anything about reconstruction, the doctrine of regeneration is reconstruction, taking the dead heart, giving you a heart of flesh, right? Ezekiel 36. And so, you know, the short answer to the question is there really aren't like explicit passages. That word explicit is what's tripping us up because what we see is the whole of scripture feeding on each other, building, it's pointing somewhere. History is moving in a direction towards this grand culmination of God's kingdom. And there are steps to get there. Right. Right. Yeah, so culture, like you mentioned, it's, you know, some people think of culture, it's like, ooh, it's like, do they wear colorful clothing, or what do their their songs sound like, or, you know, well, you know, when we're talking about the prevailing, like the dictionary definition of the the prevailing beliefs and practices within a society, and you better believe that a regenerated uh, country where, where people are being regenerated, and there's, uh, you know... Um, from every area of life, they're applying the word of God. You better believe that culture is going to change that those prevailing beliefs and practices within society. And so when we look at the great commission, you know, the command to go and to teach, uh, baptize all men and to, uh, teach them to obey the word of God, the law of God, then we can easily see how that, uh, that, the mission of the church is tied to the obedience of the nations. And what is the what is the obedience of the nations? It's the worship of God. When we obey, we are worshiping God. And so, um, but you don't just get that from the Great Commission because if you start in Genesis, like you like you mentioned, you know, um, right from the right from the uh, creation mandate, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock, et cetera, et cetera. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, take dominion. So that is the starting point. That was what mankind was created for. Okay, and then you you get to Genesis forty nine ten. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, and, and nor the ruler staff between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. And so this no, notion of the obedience of the nations being the the purpose of why the Messiah was to come is right there in the beginning too. And even in Genesis three five, the proto evangelum, where where Christ is already prophesied, prophesied to to crush the serpent. Mm-hmm. And um, you see that mirrored in, uh, is it John, 1 John? 1 John 3, 8. 3, 8, where it says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So everything that the devil did in turning what was that original creation mandate, which was created so that man would flourish and do well and that they would fill the whole earth with the glory of God and obedience to God, Satan put that obstacle there. Well, well, what Christ did was to was to do away with the work of Satan, and, and so that's, ask, and that's not his second coming. No, it's his first coming and right. his, his appearing. And so, ask yourself: What is a is is abortion in society and the the prevalence of abortion? Is that a work of the devil? You know, is that is that is that a demonic? You know, right. what what more could you say about that? Reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
Then you get to the Psalms, of course, one of the most, uh, the most quoted verse in the New Testament. Why do the nations rage? Or, um, sorry, I will tell of the decree the Lord said to my son, uh, said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. So, um, no, and then there's, uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit, sit at my, my right, right hand, hand. Yeah. yes, Psalm and I will make the nations your footstool. So again, the obedience of the nations is is always there. It's a thread that's running through. And we could multiply all these passages. Daniel 7, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days. Notice he's coming to the ancient of days. I thank N.T. Wright for demonstrating that to me many, many years ago when I thought that passage was about the rapture and about Jesus coming to the earth. He's going to the ancient of days, his ascension. And uh, to him was given dominion and glory in a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Amen. And then you get to Colossians, and Colossians 1, verse 15 through 20, takes the creation aspect and ties it to exactly why Christ came and talks about the, the expansive reason why Christ, the Messiah, came to earth. I'm going to read it now, uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So you got creation there. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now listen to this part. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Mm. So all things, right? If Christ came just to escape us and out of you know get us out the escape hatch and, and up to heaven so that this world can burn, then we you know we've got a big problem with a lot of passages in scripture. <laughs> and what I see when I read the full thread of scripture is a a program whereby Christ is restoring us to be basically redeemed servants in the kingdom of God, just like Adam was supposed to be. But now we're empowered by him. We are doing it for him. Uh, we're being redeemed by the Holy Spirit. And now we're going and we're sharing him. We're teaching others to obey him. And we're bringing all things um to be reconciled right. to Christ. Into subjection so to him. So you're talking about your business. You're talking about your business practices. You're talking about the way that you do art. We're talking about the the way that you educate your children. We're talking about obviously the church. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about foreign policy today. We're talking about the criminal justice system. All things need to be in alignment with God's law. Yeah, that's the whole I mean that's I guess that's why when John you brought this up about good and necessary consequence, right? That's this this idea there are principles in scripture yes. that we build on one another and we we have to do the work of systemat- systematically piecing them together. Right. And I want to stress that it's good and necessary. It's not just reading into it because that phrase is oftentimes uh, I would say abused. Yeah. I I believe that it's it's yeah. it is an important concept. Uh, when A plus, you know, B has to equal C, then C is true. But let's not uh, speak where Scripture does not speak. Right. And you also have passages, you know, in Hebrews where basically, you know, you have come to the mountain, right, to Mount Zion. That's the church. And we have this these these 
promises from Micah 4. I read earlier Isaiah chapter 2. Several places where these promises of this mountain being lifted up. It's the chief of the mountains. It's raised above the hills. And people are going to stream to it. And that's where they're going to go to learn the law of God. They're going to learn how to to function. How, how are they supposed to raise their family? How are they supposed to do business? How are they supposed to govern themselves? And that's the vision of the church. That's the vision of where Jesus intends to take his people as we disciple nations. And, and we have to mention also, when you get to passages in Jeremiah that talk about the gospel not just being about a personal salvation issue although that's the, that's a huge part of it but also the the establishment of the justice of the messiah both temporal and eternal justice spend some time reading jeremiah through jeremiah up to 22 and 23 um and you can't mistake the the aspects of the establishment of justice being part of the gospel, being part of the good news. Hey, it's great news that Jesus Christ has come to establish his law. And so if, if that's happening, and if our great commission is to teach the nations to obey him, then we're going to start to see justice in society, obedience of the nations in all areas of life. So it has to be part of this mission that we're all on. Amen. And, 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 you know, Jeremiah 31, uh, the promise of the new covenant, they will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. So there's just so many passages. Um, there's not one explicit passage that says you should reconstruct society um, or a passage that says you need to redeem culture. It doesn't like many of our theological convictions. It, they don't just it doesn't just say it the way we would want it to, which is a good thing. Yeah, it, it is. It is a good thing, and I think there's also something to be said that we're trying to make Scripture say things in our own terms in our own language, while these concepts uh, I feel like would be very clear to first century Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the what do they call it? anachronistic etymology. So there, right. there are words that we use that we uh, could you know impress upon the Bible. But what we're really, really trying to do is categorize these things, and we're making sense of. We're speaking English, you know. We're not all right now talking in Koine Greek. So we're taking these concepts of discipleship and nations, um, and 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 uh, God's law being applied and people obeying it, regeneration. Those are all English words. We're trying to make sense of the scriptural passages, putting them together, so we have this grand vision of what what the Bible teaches. First uh, Corinthians fifteen, He's going to reign until His enemies are put under His feet. Um, th- what do you do with that? <laughs> I right. mean, that's a promise. And and the question is, well, when is Jesus reigning? Oh, in, in the future thousand years? Is he going to come back and then he's going to reign? He'll really be king? Right, MacArthur's, you know, he's in voluntary exile right now. <laughs> yeah, if Jesus' kingdom is not here right now, then I understand all of our opponents. <laughs> yeah. But the scripture clearly teaches that the kingdom is here and Christ's kingdom was at least inaugurated when he came. And so when you look at the nature of that kingdom, I was talking about Jeremiah 23 earlier, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called 
the Lord is our righteousness. And that justice that that's referenced here, they just spent a bunch of passages, bef- Jeremiah just spent a bunch of passages before this talking about the lack of justice in society temporally, not just mm-hmm. not just ultimately or eternally, which is also important there too. But um, it the kingdom of God has relevance now today and the church as redeemed servants of God and the kingdom of God should be teaching the nations to obey God's law. And if that happens, if this Holy Spirit from the bottom up regenerates a lot of people in a society, you'll see the law change, you'll see the culture change. Right. So what does that mean we need to do? We need to be about the preaching of the gospel. Right. right. We need to be about um, teaching people what it means to obey God, teaching families, children especially. I mean, this is, don't think, you know, to to the mother who's listening to this, who's busy homeschooling their kids, don't think that that's mm-hmm. like not glorious. That is a mm-hmm. glorious task. Yeah, absolutely. So do it for the glory of God and be encouraged in that because that is an aspect of of, of real nation building. Yeah, build your life on the word of God, build your family on the word of God, and nations build your nation on the word of God. Yes, indeed. Well, hey, that's it for us. Uh, just a reminder, check out Tell Us Coffee. You can uh, find their website. We'll have it in the show notes, the description there. And um, yeah, find us on Facebook. If you feel like you want to uh, give us a review, please do. Let us know. We'd love to read it. And as always, you can find us on crosscrowncurch.com. Lots of resources there. But that's it for us. Episode number 10 of season two. We're done. It's in the books, gentlemen. We have a couple more All right. that we'll be excited for, so don't miss that. We will catch you later. Peace. Most of us want the main way. It's really up to what the king say. You already knew before you heard me. Knew it, knew we got to give it to you. Yeah, they hating to it, call it dated music. Y'all lose it, beat it, mumble rapping sewage. I knew it, the art you couldn't stay true to it. Uh-huh. Ever since uh-huh. the streets got more convoluted, oversaturated with the stench of nonsense, foolish. How God used this medium to make us stewards. We image bearers of the king, what are y'all doing? You polluting the music from the one that gave it to us. Uh-huh. Relax, uh-huh. we ain't trying to have it back. You never had it, that was an illusion. You just played into it. <laughs> and we the ones ain't moving. Christ said upon this rock, I will build my church in the gates of hell, but not prevail, so come to it. His confession. Child 644 ain't confused. Election. He ain't losing none of his children, but you gotta be drawn like tattooing. If your name's written down, you ain't losing. You ain't gonna see ruin. If your name's written down, you ain't gonna see ruin. Uh. Real, real. Now I don't care what you all thought, but this right here is straight up. And I know that shit that still is lost. You know we gotta get it.